0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog from Fugae to Fugazi. I'm your host Ian James Wright, and joining me today to discuss Down City from 1995's Red Medicine is Gunther Hobbs. Gunther, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, hey, Ian, thanks thanks for having me.
0: Would you like to say uh, your name uh, in the correct pronunciation just so everybody knows because I'm sure I did not do it quite right?
1: Okay, so in Flemish we just say Hunter Habits. Hunter. That's pretty good. Is that okay? Hunter. <laughs> and uh, Great.
0: I was just saying to you before the call, I believe you are the show's first international guest. So I'm honored to have you. Thank you for joining me.
1: Honored to be here. Thanks.
0: Things are crazy in the United States right now. So it's nice to uh, travel uh, beyond our borders for a minute and speak with somebody uh, living elsewhere. So. Um, <laughs> You are actually one of the first people I reached out to when I started this podcast because um, the germ of an idea for doing the podcast happened while I was doing research about the Fugazi live series. So I was on the Discord website looking at a lot of the different pages for the shows and the live series, just digging around, and... I noticed that I was seeing your name again and again in the comments on the web pages for many of the live shows and each time you were writing out this elaborate like review of the recording of the concert and I thought this guy is really something of an expert so you've written all these reviews on the live series and there are reviews that can also be found on your uh, blog right which is another com. Um, do you yeah. wanna do you wanna say anything about this this project that you're doing to review all these concerts?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so for me, um, I think the live series they started in I think uh, at least in digital form they started in December two thousand eleven I think um, but before, of course, you probably know, you also had the, the CD, Hard Copy Live Series, which they released, I think, a first batch of 20 CDs in 2004, and then another 10 in 2005. So I also had those before. And I, of course, I always enjoyed listening live to Fugazi, but then when, when they made available all those shows, uh, starting from December 2011, I also got the All Access Pass, and then just dove in there, and I just uh, gradually listened to these shows and enjoyed them as they were were released. Um, but first I was just taking the shows one by one and was just writing down short little notes or just using different colors of thumbnails in my, on my iPod for reference afterwards. But then quite soon I realized that it's not really much use. Um, if you want to go back to a specific show afterwards to revisit it, you need some more to go on. So I just decided to do something more elaborate for myself. And then I just uh, decided at once to create a blog at the same time to make it also available for other people for navigational purposes. So and that's from there it started and it just got more and more uh, detailed, I guess.
0: How many of the live shows do you think you have listened to at this point?
1: I think at this point I will have listened to I think it's uh, around half. So I think anywhere in between 400 or 450 shows. I think I posted notes or... Notated around uh, 250 or 300 shows, I think. Something to that extent. I never exactly kept track, uh, but should be somewhere in that region.
0: Yeah, that's so that's incredible. Um, and I think it's very useful maybe to our listeners. I actually had somebody email me recently and uh, ask mm-hmm. me, you know, somebody who is a new fan of Fugazi who had never had a chance to see them, Uh, live back when they were performing and asked me uh, if I had recommendations for live series shows to listen to. And I was, uh, I had to confess, I was like maybe the wrong person to ask. I've listened to definitely a handful of the shows. Uh, I think I've, I have downloaded five of them or something like that, Um, but certainly not enough to really come up with a comprehensive set of recommendations. So I asked you about that. You sent me some 13 of your top recommendations and I'll put those in the show notes mm-hmm. so there will be links to every, uh, every one of your recommendations. Do you want to highlight uh, maybe just a couple of those and say why you picked those?
1: Okay. Um, so yeah, you asked me to... Uh give you some short, some sort of list, uh, as go-to shows for me personally, I just want to, uh, quickly explain that I never really approached the live series in terms of lists or best fugazi shows, because in the end, I think it al- always remains highly subjective and people might simply gravitate towards recordings of shows they just attended or recordings, which are marked excellent in terms of sound quality. Um... So it's always a bit of a challenge, but still overall, I think a recording might be notable for a number of reasons. So what I look out for always is the audio and sound quality, of course, because if the, the recording doesn't sound enjoyable, you will simply not revisit it again and again. So that's always important. But then, of course, also set list, song selection. It's important to flow the performance in general, the venue, the place, the city or the country where they're playing or any particular uh, incidents, events or circumstances, uh which might uh, might also highlight that specific show, so I take all these different criteria into account when notating some uh, shows, and for these the selection I made the thirteen shows I gave you um they all hit uh the mark on several of these criteria, so that's, that's just a general uh general point of reference, I guess, but yeah, just to quickly highlight three, I think uh First, one a good one to go to would be the the first Fugazi show at the Nine Thirty Club in uh, June 15 eighty eight. It's really interesting because for me, I come from, I, I came up listening to first Metal, and then afterwards when I got into minor third Fugazi, of course, the punk and the hardcore. And for me, these early shows always uh, have that special place in my heart. And this one um, is this with the number. Forty-three, I think uh, it's really cool because it's really really intense and passionate um, when you hear uh, Guy who's by this time he's uh, also doing uh, lead focus on a couple of songs the passion is like uh, reminiscent of the rise of spring area before so it's really really intense so that's just a cool one to go to. Another classic show, it's both nights at the Rosen Ballroom in New York City 1993. I think if I had to pick just uh, one show from the complete series up until now, I think it would be that one. So it's both consecutive nights in 1993, September 24th, September 25th. It's really cool because the flow of the, these shows is really phenomenal and also complimentary on both nights. That's also the famous show where they were the band was approached by I think the um uh, Ahmed Ertigun, if I pronounce it correctly, from Atlantic Records, where they were off with their own record label and stuff like that. So that's it's just a legendary, legendary show where everything, all the stars aligned. And then, yeah, of course, readers or listeners will be able to uh browse through the complete list. But just one more that I noted here is the, the number 10 show. Um, I didn't notate that show yet, but I wanted to mention it here because I just was just listening to it recently, the last couple of days. It's the one from Florence in Italy on June 14, 1995. And I w- just want to include it here um, because the show ends with uh, the Sweden Low instrumental. And what I found striking for this show, I mean, this show dates back to 1995, but then when you listen to that song closing out the set, um, I'll just give away the the, the the surprise here. But it's really phenomenal because the, the, the band actually starts the, the instrumental. So it's just uh, Ian plucking the guitar and then uh, Brandon uh, coming in on drums. But then the crowd actually takes over and they start this chant. It's a really well-known Italian a song it's called Bella Ciao maybe you've heard of it
0: I don't know if I've heard that
1: um for those who are not familiar with that song it's basically a um anti-fascist song which I think gained a lot of traction during World War II among the partisans fighting the German fascist occupation so the the audience just strikes up that song and it grows louder and louder and the band just picks up on it and just did prolong the intro and so they provide the opportunity for the for the audience to just go into the song. And they let them continue for, for a couple of minutes. And then the band picks up uh, the Sweet & Low instrumental and then they, they continue from there. But it's just really phenomenal. And also I think the band was really, really appreciative of that, uh, of that happening. Because I think also from the beginning, Ian, or the band, uh, imagined... For Gaza to be somewhat of a musical vehicle where other people were invited to join in, so that was really a great example from 1995, and also which ties perfectly in with current events. I think world worldwide, what we're seeing, so it was really uh, yeah something cool. I think uh, that's amazing, which, would... which which is comforting in these these days and these times that people are still uh, yeah.
0: Yes, absolutely. I but, I am definitely excited about listening to that show now. You're you're right what you say in that like I for one. Uh, I definitely, the ones that I downloaded are the shows that I actually saw in person. Uh, some notable Mm -hmm. ones like the, their last performance in London, of course. Um, I did download one of the Roseland shows based on the review that you wrote, but, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. my next ones, I'll be certain to check out the, uh, the Italy one and some of the other ones you recommended. So thank you very much for that. Um, do you, uh, just to take it back a little more with you, um, have you did you actually see them live uh, many times? And do you want to say anything about how you first got into Fugazi or anything else about your fandom of them?
1: Okay, I could quickly go into that. Um, I think, so as I mentioned, I started first as a kid listening to metal. That was around the age of 11, I think, when I first heard the album, uh, Number of the Beasts by Iron Maiden. That was probably the first album that really blew me away. So then I was into metal around that age for a couple of years with early Metallic and all that stuff. But then I think that was in elementary school, but then in high school, and that must have been, so I started high school in 1988. Um, and then there was, of course, different friends, and we were getting into a bit more into punk. It was like the Misfits, uh, the Dead Kennedy tapes uh, that were going around. And then I think it must have been around 1991. We were just uh, a bunch of friends, and during recess we always were standing around the soccer pitch and there was always uh, some someone of our group who brought a shabby tape deck so we're just playing cassettes during recess all the time and I think somewhere around 1991 I remember one day uh, someone uh, played the minor Threat discography cassette tape and that w- was also one that really completely blew me away uh, at that time and then Quite shortly afterwards, the first album I got to hear was Steady Died, of nothing, uh, also on uh, that Shabby uh, cassette tape the, uh, deck. So, so it must have been around 1991 that I got to know Fugazi. And then, of course, there wasn't really any information you could look up on the internet or anything. So it was just uh, you know, uh, the information you got from your friends. But then I quickly connected the dots that the singer from Minor Threat was the singer from Fogazi, and then I was hooked right away. But then it it took me until 1995 before I first saw the band. At that time, I was at university in a city called Leuven. It's in the center of Belgium, a big, uh, I think it's quite well known, it's a university town. So I was studying there, and I knew that there was this uh, small uh, record store and the, the owner of that record store he also knew the guys in Fugazi, knew other uh, people from Discord. So every time a Discord band came to the city I, they usually they stayed over at his place I think and then uh, yeah, of course I had my hopes up high that Fugazi one day would play that city and they did so in 1995 I saw them in Leuven and the next day I saw them in another uh, city in Belgium, the city of Ghent. So that's the first time I saw them in the Red Medicine Tour in 1995. And then I saw them again, I think, um, in Brussels, also the capital of Belgium. That must have been 1999, I think. And then a couple of days later in Holland. That's the fourth time. And then I also caught the two, which were supposed to be the two last shows in London, England, at the Forum so i also caught those two shows but then at the last minute i think they added a third show which would become the actual last show but i didn't stay around for that one i can't remember why <laughs> and that's a really bittersweet feeling but uh yeah so i caught the third to last and the second to last show in london england as well so some six times in total
0: that's really nice i'm sure uh i mean i can imagine it feels good to be a fan of a band like that that toured so extensively you know, probably for a European fan or South American, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, th- if they're a fan of an American band, it might be disappointing how how few dates they play, like in your continent even. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Fugazi was such a dedicated touring band that it uh, sounds like you got yeah. lots of chances.
1: Yeah, Europe did, did get served well throughout the years. And even before, they played Belgium a number of times. I think even as soon as 1988, on the first European tour, I think they stopped over in Belgium. But at that time, I didn't know them yet, so... Unfortunately,
0: I missed it. Right on. Well, thank you for sharing your expertise with the live series. Uh, so listeners, don't sleep on that. Head to uh, discord.com, uh, check out those shows, uh, and look in the show notes for all the links to those. And I'll also be linking in the show notes Gunter's blog, which is another com to read all the reviews there. Um, so today we are talking about Down City from Red Medicine. This is a a very interesting little number. Um, So do you want to have the first uh, word on this, the first angle for talking about this song?
1: Uh, I I could try. I mean, it's it's a bit of a challenge, uh, Down City for me, as I mentioned to you earlier. Um, I think for me, it's a song I always liked, but never really paid that much attention to. That's probably because I think overall, Red Medicine is probably my least favorite record. But yeah, sure, Down City always liked that song from from that particular record also because I think it's the shortest song on, on the album. It's also really straightforward, more uh, classic more classic hardcore in that sense. Uh, so yeah, I always, always liked it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm sort of the same way. I didn't pay that much close attention to it, even though I do like Red Medicine quite a lot. It's not one of the songs uh, that sticks out in your mind as much. Uh, but on you know revisiting and and looking into it carefully it is pretty interesting definitely agree it's one of their more classical hardcore uh numbers that they've done it's i think it's interesting how so it starts out with two, it sounds like two different practice tape clips uh or mm-hmm. perhaps one of them perhaps the first one is in studio it's hard to tell uh but uh that's that's very interesting uh the first one is yeah like more more refined whereas the second one Sounds like it's from mm-hmm. the same practice tape that starts the album.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, lo- it's a lo-fi lo-fi uh, Yeah, so 37 lo-fi. 37 second mark, yeah. yeah.
0: And it's, uh, it's strange. It, well, it's interesting. I think the first clip, it's very rhythmic, but a sort of slow rhythm, and it, it's lower in volume. And as you listen mm-hmm. to it, it sort of starts to lull you into a trance. And then, yeah yeah, 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 all of a sudden, the second one shakes you out with this loud dissonant yeah. uh sound, and then that happens again when the actual song begins um so th- that's that's a like that's a neat thing about red medicine how they they throw in these little yeah. sound collage bits that
1: that's the same impression I got uh from that first sequence. I think that's the first thirty seven seconds or something where you just have to alternating guitars. But then, if you listen carefully underneath, they have also this like audio track, which appears to be played backwards, sort of.
0: Yeah, it's almost some kind of squeaking or some almost metallic. Yeah, yeah.
1: For me, it it had this leisurely paced scene that was like uh, painted there during that first. Yeah, it evokes something of everyday life imagery, you know? Really, just everything just hobbles along. Yeah. (laughs) And then at 37 seconds, you get those lo-fi guitars, but those are like really intrusive and disrupting the scene.
0: Yes, and another thing about those lo-fi guitars is the the clip from that same tape at the beginning of the album goes on for so long, right? The first time you listen to Red Medicine, mm-hmm. it seems like this like interminable long noise session. So you're kind of... When that comes in here, you're kind of expecting that same thing, but it only lasts for a couple of seconds. So that's another thing that gives you a sort of false idea of a false sense of security about what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the music uh as you said, it's definitely um one of the more hardcore uh influenced songs, really sort of old school ghee, a little bit like uh like his, his pre Fugazi bands, maybe people might think. Did you ever? Uh, did you ever spend much time listening to to those bands, "Rites of Spring" and so on?
1: I think, especially "The Rites of Spring," that's, just, of course, a classic album for me as well. I also have "One Last Wish," uh, which never really appealed that much to me. Not uh, not like "Rites of Spring," but then also the "Happy Go Licky stuff is great as well. So yes, definitely. yeah. So that's that's quite experimental, so. yeah.
0: One thing I did want to say about uh before I forgot is uh I'm sure you have uh you're familiar with the instrument film and mm-hmm. during m- one of my favorite parts of that film is the George Bur- uh, George Burns segment where they're just sort of yeah, joking yeah. around uh and yeah. during that segment this uh Joe is playing this I guess he's he's tracking the bass part to this so you hear in the background of that whole time, which is pretty much the funniest part of the of the film, I think. Uh, yeah, Joe is playing Down City, uh, so I wanted to mention that, give a little shout out to Instrument and Jem Cohen there.
1: I didn't notice that Joe was playing uh, the Down City part there. Okay.
0: Yeah, I'll. I think there's a clip online of just that part. I'll I'll uh, link that in the show notes okay. for our listeners too, if they forget. Cool. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> where Gee yeah. plots the death of George Burns. Um, yeah yeah <laughs> so what do you think about the lyrics to down city
1: yeah so the lyrics uh that that's also a bit of a challenge because for me uh with Gee's lyrics i think overall they appeal more to me because just his choice of words and phrasing it's also appeals to a certain aesthetic i mean Guy, to me he's like really worth met but i also get the impression that uh quite often he just Throws together some words, not maybe not with the intention of things actually meaning much, but also because it just sounds great. Uh, using those words in a certain combination. Yes, so I agree. So for me, I always had, I had a bit of more of a hard time to always get a grasp on Gee's meaning of uh, the lyrics, than uh, compared to Ian, which to me appears always a bit more straightforward. Without pretending, of course, that I understand everything Ian uh, meant with those lyrics, but. For me, Gita, did something different entirely. Also, in this song, you have a couple of these great lines. Uh, uh, for instance, where you're singing, I'm channeling 17 dead revolutions that have long gave up the ghost. I mean, that sounds really amazing, but I really have no <laughs> idea what that is about. Yeah, the 17 dead
0: revolutions part, uh, he loses me there. I, I really, I I tried to Google a little bits, like what, yeah. what could he be referring to, 17 revolutions? I don't know. However... The phrase, uh, to give up the ghosts, um, that certainly mm-hmm. has connotations, uh, among, uh, you know, uh, the English speaking worlds. Uh, it's a, it's a phrase that is very heavily associated with the Bible, uh, specifically the King James translation of the Bible. Uh, okay. I, I don't know if that's actually where it originated, uh, probably not. But for example, uh, in the King James translation of the Bible, Mark, uh, 1537 to 39, this, mm-hmm. the part where, uh, uh, where Jesus uh, dies on the cross, it says, And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. So interesting uh, just associations there. And also that that happens right after, I think, right after somebody gives Jesus a drink, uh his last drink which is also something that happens in the lyrics yeah. to this song right to one drink of water and i'm uh, when i'm drowning in it uh, uh-huh. so i i have no idea if that's intentional but
1: uh interesting that's really cool yeah I, I didn't think of it in those terms but yeah really apparently
0: cool. this is not a very literal translation right the uh, i think later translations of the bible usually say instead of give up the ghost they say uh he uttered a loud cry and breathed his last that's one thing yeah, the king james uh version it has a lot of these poetic uh touches, poetic license which mm-hmm. some people uh enjoy overall, it seems to me a song about uh gun violence uh yeah yeah in uh specifically i would say in washington d c simply because you know the initials of down city are d c so i I always imagine that this is uh, about that. Oh, to, to give listeners a little bit of context for that, Washington, D.C., in the early 90s especially, was s- sort of a dangerous place, maybe not on the whole, but um, it had a pretty high murder rate. The number of homicides in Washington, according to Wikipedia, peaked in 1991 at 482 mm-hmm. homicides that year, which is a rate of over 80 homicides per 100,000 residents. Um, so it's quite a lot. And the city eventually became known as the murder capital of the United States. And and this is also, I mean, it's heavily associated with this sort of pattern of uh, basically white flight and gentrification in the city. Um, I think that there was a peak of population in Washington, D.C. in 1950. uh, But between then and 1980, Washington, D.C. lost a quarter of its residents as the suburbs were developed. And they just sort of moved out of the city. Uh, left behind in the city where the poorer residents, especially African-Americans and especially um in the, in sort of Southeast Washington DC across the Anacostia river, it was, it's it was just sort of like very ghettoized that, and that was known as, as a more dangerous area. So yeah, like I think those things are echoed in the lyrics, right? Guy is talking about the space between the city and the suburb, the space between the dime and the dollar. Um, and sort of the difference between the population who is living comfortably in the suburbs and the remaining population who have uh, who are in the city and uh, facing this, this violence. And uh, yeah. coincidentally, around the same time, nineteen eighties, early nineteen nineties, is the crack cocaine epidemic, which added to the problems. Also,
1: yeah. I also understood those uh, those lyrics: the space between the diamond dollar and the space between the city and the suburb as. Indeed, relating to that uh, distinction or dichotomy between the haves and the have-nots. So yeah. Yeah, certainly. And then the over the overarching theme, or, uh, the teen gun violence is, is yeah, that's what I what I uh, what I distilled from these lyrics. And I was just wondering if this just might be Geese Repeater because the the. Circumstances you just described where uh, DC was indeed uh, did the murder capital, I think that started maybe mid 80s or something, until uh, at the time of the release of the repeater song, which uh, uh, you will get to that song, of course, later on in the podcast. But I think that song in particular uh, does relate to uh, Washington, DC being the, the, the murder capital. Then I was just wondering if this just might be Guy's uh, version of the repeater. Um, just doing a more updated version, but then around, of course, 1994, 1995, I think at that time, DC no longer was the murder capital, but still there will be high levels of teen gun violence.
0: I'm sure, you know, you, again, you are our first guest from uh, from abroad, from Europe. From your perspective, I'm sure the situation in America with our, our firearms are, is a bit crazy, right? seems a bit it's crazy to me.
1: difficult to understand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> same here. I think it's difficult to understand also, but uh, it's it's a very strange part of our culture, if you can call it that, mm-hmm. in this country.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's insane.
0: <laughs> I was thinking that same thing about Repeater. Also, maybe Turn Off Your Guns, although I think that's maybe more of a suicide-related song. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, certainly, guns are a theme that comes up a couple of times in Fugazi songs. The The line... One kid took another kid, pumped him full of holes just to see a new horizon. That last line, I was thinking about that. I'm not sure. I I wonder if that means, you know, just to, uh, I wonder if it's talking about a kid who's sort of trapped in a very uh, dreary existence just on the streets and just does something like this, uh, commits a murder to to see a new horizon, like maybe to, to go to prison or to, just to get out of his his daily circumstances, uh, maybe that's what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Sure. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of guesswork involved with Guy's song sometimes, isn't there?
1: Yeah. With Guy's work. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think his lyrics generally appeal to me the most because of the aesthetic that, that goes with it, but yeah, it's, it's bit more difficult to get a grasp of it.
0: Yeah. What you say about Guy's lyrics being, he just sort of, these lyrics come to him that sound good and maybe sometimes, uh, that comes before the meaning and he he almost figures out the meaning of them after the fact. I, I do get that sense sometimes. But it, it also it leads to interesting things like there are... he So he repeats in this song, I Don't Wanna, which mm-hmm. which is something that comes back in full disclosure from the argument, right? that That song starts, he's just like repeating, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a couple of interesting things like that I also noticed that there are a few places in the Fugazi catalog that use the phrase, not all right, which happens in this song, right? He's sort of toward the end. He says, not all right, right before the title line, Down City. That's something that mm-hmm. Ian says in a couple of songs, notably K-Y-E-O and uh, closed captions. So there there are these commonalities in uh in Fugazi lyrics that pop up sometimes as like like little echoes of previous songs
1: I was just wondering because there's this last segment of the song I think it starts around uh, 2 minutes and around 20 seconds where you have this rhythm change but then during that last part Guy is also also seeing as well, there's a couple of lines of words, but I've been listening to this again and again and again, but I can't figure out the words he's saying towards the end. Did you, did you catch that?
0: The very end where he's saying uh, two and two?
1: After that, because yeah, you have the two and two, sod and two, which he repeats a couple of times, but then afterwards... We have the last rhythm change. There's some more words, but they're not in the lyric sheet. And there's just uh, words he seems to be ad libbing but I can't figure out huh. what it is that he's saying.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't catch that myself. Maybe a good thing to ask Gee if somebody uh, gets in touch yeah. with him. Two and two, I was wondering about that part too. It's, a, it's another lyric that I'm not sure what it means. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's sort of reminiscent of maybe the story of Noah's Ark. Where the animals go two by two into the, into the boat, or maybe uh, there's this song, uh, this children's song we have. I don't know if uh, if if you would know it about the ants go marching, uh, the ants go marching two by two, hurrah, hurrah, where uh, and in every verse it says the ants go marching down to the ground to get out of the rain, uh, which maybe this song also echoes in the line about drowning. Um, another another okay. thing where I have no idea. I, it seems like maybe that's not intentional, but it's where my brain goes. Yeah, yeah really cool. Do you think I'm stretching on these, Gunter?
1: <laughs> could be, could be. No, just for the two and two, solid and two. It's, it's it's yeah, it's really hard to, to graph what's going on there. I mean, just the two and two for me. That that's uh, evokes this this picture of harmony, unity. You go with the two and the couples, but then. Bought and two, again, that violent disruption. Yes. Uh, but yeah, what, what it exactly means, I really I have no idea. But I think with, with the theme being the teen gun violence, I think if we go back to the how, how the, uh, the, the musical parts sounds, I think where we first discussed that that first sequence uh, kind of paints this leisurely paced scene like everyday life imagery and then those lo-fi guitars come crashing in disrupting that peaceful scene and then you have the opening chorus of the guitar introducing the new scene where the, the, the band then comes crashing in and swinging i mean it's really from then yeah. on it's really so that's really for me that evokes that, that picture of just daily life being disrupted by this like really violent scene all of a sudden you know and that might tie in with then, the theme of the song Yeah, I think that's that's the impression I got from the song. Uh, So in that sense, the the musical part really, uh, yeah, goes great with the lyrics that are uh, in the song.
0: Speaking of the music, also, this is not one of those Fugazi songs that has like lots of interesting, like intricate bass line and then strange melodic lead part that Guy is playing. It's Mm -hmm. it's just mainly it's very hardcore. They're playing distorted chords. The bass is more or less doing the same thing that the guitars are doing. Um, mm-hmm. In a in a pretty interesting way, it's not like it's not very predictable. Um, so I like that. Um, all in all, it's it's like not my favorite Fugazi style, except when it gets to the to that end, that rhythmic change up. Duh, 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 duh. The, I really like star, that part. Stop. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: that's. I think that that might be Ian's influence because I think he's a sucker for that star stop thing. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, rhythm, rhythm is is very strong with uh, with Ian MacKay.
1: But yeah, I'm not a musician myself, so to to break it down in technical terms, that's, that's always a bit of a challenge for me. So, um, but yeah, there's a couple of rhythm changes, nevertheless here. But all in all, it's pretty straightforward. I think the song in itself, once those opening chords uh, from geese guitar, you get those, and then I think the song itself is just a short burst of like two seconds. So that's, that's really really quick.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's certainly um uh, a great burst of energy and I must say in terms of uh the execution I do love the uh Guy's delivery of the title line right at the very end when he sings down city he's like puts puts a lot of heart into it down city yeah. it's really cool
1: Yeah uh, also, I think the, the, the last time where he sings two and two, salt and two, he, he always punctuates the salt, like to make it really like disruptive and violent. But then he also, uh, the, la- the last time he sings the two, he really drags out that last word. and he, it's like as if he's in mourning or pleading or it's really, yeah, it's cool.
0: Yeah. So, uh, speaking of uh, how cool it is exactly, let's talk about <laughs> ratings. <laughs> So, Günther, do you think you could give Down City a Fugazi rating out of five stars?
1: The part most people maybe dread, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, if uh, okay, so you put me on the spot and had to put uh, give a rating here. Like I said, it's a song I never really paid that much attention to, but I, nevertheless, I always I did like it, and also uh, for. When I heard it live, uh, in the live series, I think it's not really a staple or a go-to song that they, they played that often. No. I didn't really pull the statistic, but I think it's not really one of those staples. Uh,
0: according but, to my statistics, it looks like they've played it 110 times. So it's it's okay. not a total rarity, but it, it is down there on the list a bit.
1: Mm-hmm. But I- Every time they did play it, I mean, they they do come out swinging. It's really, it's like a it's high energy song. Um, so, coming from my background, like listening to punk and hardcore, uh, yeah, I do have a soft spot for the song. And I think, I think it's probably the the fastest song here on the album. Um, and then again, it's still layered. I mean, you get great lyrics to go with it, and they also have to several things going on uh, in terms of the, the instrumental parts uh, which lead into the song. So I think overall still I'd give this uh, four stars out of five, I think. And maybe even for the lyrics here, uh, maybe 4.2, 4.3, if that's even possible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I have no rules when it comes to the ratings part. So uh, okay. you are within your rights to assign whatever decimals you care to. It's all good. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I struggle with this one. I I I've said before there the Fugazi's more like classic hardcore sound things it's not really mm-hmm. what I love about the band personally mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. this is a well done example uh I guess I guess it comes down to that it's just not one of the ones that's very memorable to me no matter mm-hmm. how much I like it when I do listen to it and concentrate on it uh so mm-hmm. all things considered I think I'll put this right down the middle at uh, three stars for me uh, out of Fugazi's okay. larger catalogue. Um, yeah, okay. very good. Okay, well, uh, how about some plugs? Never
1: mind
0: Do you have uh, any anything to say about uh, where listeners can reach you? Anything you want to plug other than uh, your blog?
1: Um, that's... that's- Basically, my, my main thing is the blog, so you will post that there in the show notes so they can get uh, in touch uh, with me through Tumblr. Um, other than that, you can also get in touch with me through probably through Facebook or just uh, Gmail. But no, on a personal level, I don't think I really have uh, any other plugs to make, Not at least not uh, my personal uh, things are concerned. Um, just, But I do like to... Um, appeal to people to yeah just maybe get in touch and just uh just share some notes or thoughts related to their personal favorite shows because i mean it's really great to have this uh these live series i know the band they put in a lot of work to make that happen and i mean I think for any fugazi fan or fugazi enthusiast it just it's a pot of gold i mean there's so much thought there of course, I just listed my go to shows here, which uh work really well i think on um, in, in terms of complete shows but there's just so much stuff there to discover um so yeah i mean that's just there's so much to go on here and to just enjoy and keep enjoying because I think I hardly listened to forgot, the fugazi albums at all for the last couple of years because uh, since i've since we've had these live series I've just been uh yeah, enjoying these and just uh, taking these shows in. Uh, I can listen to a zillion versions of like Shut the Door or Gloom and because of the improvisation. I mean, there's always something else going on. And you also see songs evolve throughout time. Like, for instance, uh, first versions of Blueprint, which were rather slow and, and aligned with uh, the version on the album. But then later on, those versions became more wrapped up or, for instance, Just keep your eyes open, which was significantly different from the earlier versions compared to the later uh, versions. The same with suggestions. So, I mean, there's just so much going on. And so to me, it's a bit surprising that uh, there's not much more discussion going on about these live shows, uh, aside from uh, people just saying that one show is their favorite song. But of course, it would really be interesting to hear why it's their favorite song, also compared to other shows. I think there's a couple of bands who make available their live uh, archives and repertoire, so that's not new in itself. I think, of course, you have the Grateful Dead who maybe started all that thing. But then you also have other uh, bands like uh, maybe Metallica or Pearl Jam also making available, or Fish making available their official uh, live bootlegs. And I know all those bands as well, they have really dedicated following, which is the same with Fugazi, and there's so much discussion going on about... uh, about uh, these shows, so that that's would be really cool to to have some more of the discussion here related to the Fykar Live series. Yeah. So that's just uh, just general appeal I wanted to make. Um, maybe one more thing I would like to plug. Uh, it's not something which was done by me, and maybe you, you've uh, you've heard about it. I think it was done a couple of years ago by a person named uh, Drew O'Doherty. Um, it was his I Spent It All uh, little project he did. Um, did you hear about it?
0: Or? No, I haven't heard of this. What is it?
1: Okay. I think uh was also uh, written about this in the Washington City paper. I'll also provide you with a link. But it, it ties a bit in with uh, the Fugazi live series and the live shows in that uh, this person he took uh, from the last show Fugazi played live at the Forum in London and they Ended that show with the traditional set closer Clue Man, and then he took the last note from that song. So the last chord, Ian, the last chord, Ian uh, played on his guitar on that song. That last show, he took that note and he extended it into this like one uh, eight minute and a half drone sound. I think you have that version. So eight minutes and a half, just. Uh, Dragged out note, the last note uh, Ian played, and you also have the half-speed version of that. So that's like a 17-minute uh, drone sound. I think that's really cool. It's just ambient. It's like this uh, yeah. continuous wall of feedback. But I think it's really cool because you have that last note, the last song that was played from the last Fugazi show, and it just gets dragged out. And for me, I always enjoyed listening to it. It's just this uh, big wall of sound. But it's really comforting and soothing in a way. And it's yeah. It takes those live series just one step further. So it's really cool. That's that's one thing I just wanted to pitch.
0: Yeah, I'll check it out for sure. Well, thank you for that. Uh, And also listeners, if you want to uh, be in conversation with uh, Gunter, he has posted uh, several times on the Alphabetical Fugazi Facebook group. So if you want to join that, you can uh, reply to his comments there and uh, talk about, uh, say what you will about down city if you have any comments to make that we have forgotten to say. And of course, as always, you can email me at fugazi a to z at gmail.com. And I hope you'll join me for the next episode when we'll be discussing Epic Problem. Until then, keep your eyes open. <laughs>